0: Well, hallelujah! Hallelujah! I'm warming up. This this is uh, this is going to be uh, a, a, a tough one uh, for me, anyway, um, because it's. Uh, When we speak about wholeness and um, all these uh, related themes that are around that, um, it it is difficult to get a grasp uh, on it. That's exactly why we were offering um, therapy sessions after all this series. It's been a couple of months, right? We've been dealing with this theme of wholeness and uh, we're um, just getting close to the end. But uh, here on this this passage that we will have uh, today, um, we'll speak a little bit about the psalmist's claim before God. And uh, you, you are mostly aware that social justice is a theme that has captivated the mind of society. And what can even say that um, since the coming of the pilgrims, uh, there's been an expression in right one way or, or another to the claim to social justice. In their cases, was religious liberty, Right? They wanted to be free in a space where they could actually express themselves in their own way of understanding their Christianity. Now there's been other things that are, have been connected to, the, to that. The, the Sunday school movement in the 18th and 19th century were also uh, an expression of, of, of a social concern the well-being of of others and and education was part of that uh, the abolitionist uh, movement uh that came out of one of those uh, uh, concerns for the other for the well-being for their uh, actualization as people and as human beings the suffragettes movement i had to practice that word a long time because it's hard for me to pronounce but these are all examples of society coming to 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 grips with what is justice in their minds You probably heard the um, WWJD movement, right? Back in the 80s and and, and 90s. Um, What would Jesus do? Now, uh, Charles Spurgeon, if you have heard of him, is a preacher, uh, was a preacher, and again in the 19th uh, century, and in June 28th, 1891, he quoted a book his name, title was "Imitatio Christi." Of course, that's in Latin. It's called "Imitation of Christ." And that book was written by Thomas Aampmpi, a Kempi, uh, Roman Catholic uh, of the 1420s. So this, this is a 500 you know, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, yeah, 500-year uh, uh, plus around that much uh, uh, book, that used that phrase. What would Jesus do? And there's another uh, work later that uh, Charles Sheldon's book, uh, maybe you, anyone have heard of it, In His Steps? Nobody? There's a few of us now that know about it. They have some some contact. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't mean that we were alive in 1921. Okay, please. So, um But actually, his book was written in 1896, but it became very popular later in the 20th century. The subtitle was, What Would Jesus Do? And Sheldon was a Congregationalist, actually one of our sister denominations, uh, from way back in the Restoration uh, Movement. And he was from Topeka, Kansas. And his theology, the, the way that he thought about Christ was shaped by a commitment to what some people call Christian socialism. If you think of socialism in its strict sense of the meaning, which means the social well-being of others. Now that was labeled and is known now as social gospel in our modern community. But uh, what it really inferred and what I really tried to think about is that the gospel was not only an intellectual affair, right? The gospel in this sense was not only a matter of knowing. It was not only a matter of sharing information so that we would grasp an understanding, but that understanding, that knowledge, that experience was to be moved forward in what they label as a Christian ethic, a Christian expression a way of looking at our world and and, and others with the principles that are taught so Basically, Sheldon used Jesus as the basis for justice. Jesus and his teachings became that. And now, it, it was a novel, and being a novel, uh, it was bound to interpretation, right? <laughs> Any book is bound to interpretation, and, and this ended up creating divisions in the Christian community, especially with denominations looking at that and saying, yeah, but that's not quite what we're talking about. And others saying no, but that's it. That's it. So there was a, quite a division as far as how to practice Christianity and what justice um, should be. And again, that's my opinion on that now. But my point is that the theme is, uh, of justice is nothing new. And perhaps the concept of social justice has now been, um, maybe, appropriated by a national, could I say, progressive politics. And and, and any of you remember the 80s and 90s and the moral majority, right? You know, that was sort of a, a thing at the time. Uh, And I think that now social justice is a a reaction to that. It's it's like, well, you guys say that you know what is right and what should be done. But I think we think we have a a, a moral place to stand this. And uh, it's, it's been manifested. in in, in many ways, but it's sort of a reaction against the evangelical, you know, the American evangelical discourse anyway. Um, And one of the things about it is that in that expression, I think that Jesus has been sort of taken out of the equation. And it's only used to justify some stance whenever it's convenient. (laughs) But that's just me. I mean, I'm just thinking a lot here and and, and and I'm here I know and I understand that I'm I'm saying these things and I'm meddling uh, and, 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 and and it's okay for us to to, to to speak about these things but but this is sort of a scenario that today we, we struggle with today we we are seeing things in, in our society we are seeing things in our community and we are moving in our thought process to come to grips. Again, what is that we do? What is a just cause? What is it that we need to be doing? What is the approach to do? And there's different opinions about that. But what we will read in the psalm today, it starts with a very similar address to God. Here, a just Cause, oh Lord, that's the first statement out of the start line, and it's so interesting to me that the the issue of justice again, that individual or social um, uh, concern, right? is it's not modern. We we've, we've, we've seen it throughout the existence of humanity. I think it's not necessarily that, but rather a human struggle. Rather, a, a way of us coming to, again, to, to, to understand ourselves, to understand what's happening, and to understand what is it that we need to be, in God's eyes, and in the eyes of society, well. So it is, uh, in this case, coming out of a, a, a situation uh, that I think qualifies as a problem. And, and let's hear this psalm and, and what we can learn about justice and about wholeness and, and about the conversation between this person and God in that expression of concern. And it says, again, Psalm 17, if you have your Bibles and your phones or in your pews, you might want to uh, read along uh, or just follow in your hearing. Hear a just cause, O Lord. Attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From you let my vindication come. Let your eyes see the right. If you try my heart, if you visit me by night, if you test me, you will find no wickedness in me. My mouth does not transgress. As for what others do, By the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously, wondrously show your steadfast love. O Savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand, guard me as the apple of the eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings, from the wicked who despoil me, my deadly enemies who surround me. Let's pray for a second. Father, again, we come here and we, we yearn for your. A wisdom for your teaching for your a heart to communicate something to us to grow us to help us we pray again that your presence and your spirit will speak to us this morning amen amen here are just cause now this psalm is attributed to david and is considered Entitled even in your in your Bibles, um, a prayer of deliverance. One would not ask to be delivered unless there was something to be delivered from. Are we okay? I mean, right? You would not be asking to be considered in a certain matter. Unless there was that matter which we need to be considered for. So the obvious understanding here is that David is one who is asking, praying, demanding deliverance because there is something, a situation that seems to be out of balance. And one would not demand justice unless one had some reasonable argument to make. Right? One would not present itself before a judge saying, There's a reason why I'm here, and we need you, your wisdom in this matter. So in this uh, psalm, David is making this demand and he he places his case before God's court in in a prayer. And this is more than just a cry for help. This is a sincere attempt to come to grips with his troublesome situation. Now my wife always uh, refers to her teacher, I don't know if it was in high school or, 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 or what, who said there's you, you shouldn't be saying that there is a problem, you should only be saying that there are situations. Right? That it's not a problem, it's it's just a situation. And I've always had a trouble with that. It just hits me wrong. And it's not because of her, but because I, I think that the word problem is there for a reason, right? We have created it because there is a reason for it. You see, one might find oneself in a favorable situation, and one might find oneself in an unfavorable situation. Are you you, you with me on that, right? And when we find ourselves in unfavorable situations, and we do not have an out, we do not have a solution, in my opinion, that's a problem. (laughs) Right? And when we have problems, we come to whoever has solutions. And I think that David acknowledges that his situation is a problem. If someone is threatening your well-being or even your existence, I believe that's a problem. So he comes up with this. Think about why is it that the Sunday school programs got started, right? It wasn't because somebody had a great idea and just wanted to just move forward with it, it was because there was an issue. And this issue, this situation was causing a a concern and it was causing a problem for society. And the same thing with all these, you know, the abolitionists and, and all these that I have mentioned before. There are problematic situations and some of them are moral challenges. Some of them have a sense of eliciting some kind of a balance, justice, if you will. So how does he make this request, this David? And this is basically where the psalm really leads us in in, 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 in the theme here. Well first, there's an address to God. God is the one who provides justice. In this case, We have a psalmist that starts his plea by calling God's attention in prayer. Please note this. If we come before this God, we don't come to a place. We can come to this God any place. Right? We can approach this court of justice anywhere and David takes advantage of a relationship that goes beyond what has been provided by government, by culture and society he approaches God in prayer and he addresses God and of course this, this to me it, it informs me and it says that there's A relational aspect here that stands out. Have you been in front of a judge? How many of you have been in front of a judge? Okay, How do you feel? Little. Uh, (laughs) Right? I mean, being in front of a person of authority, being in front of a person that has a say in your life, is not necessarily an easy thing, is it? But here we find David approaching this court with an ease, with confidence. There is a relationship here that is unlike the one that courts provide. And I think it's important for us to note that this relationship is very, uh, i call it imperative, for us. And it's important to note that we do have it. We have access to this court. So he's calling God's attention. And he's got a relationship with God. You see, many problematic situations are not addressed because there's no access. You hear that? Many situations that are problems in our society and life are not addressed because there's no access. And that's where advocacy comes into play. Right? Some of us may not have a voice to be able to have access, or we don't have what it takes to have access to a court of law. And guess what? Because there has to be some way to express our concern, we need somebody else's voice. We need somebody else's intervention. And that's where advocacy comes into play. An advocate is basically a person that lifts up a plea or a claim on behalf of another. As individuals, we can find ourselves in any one of these situations. We may be the person who is the victim. We may be the person who has the solution. Or we may be the person who is advocating for one or the other. You see that? So I, I think that in our experience we can find how this is, uh, 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 relates because as parents if you've been a parent, you carry a power, right? And maybe there's a need for an advocate, uh, advocate for the little one <laughs> who wants their toy for Christmas <laughs> and guess what usually that's the wife but anyway um, but, but we see that these relationships of power are manifested in life and again we can find ourselves in different places here and maybe you can find one in your own that involves you in different roles in your life Now I don't want to get too much into that but I want to note again that the fact is that in this case with this psalmist with David the one who is the remedy or the mediator is God. He is the source. Again David uses the word vindication and justice. Now second, first is this Relational address to God. Second, there's an evaluation that is done. And in the, new, um, the NRSV version, the form that is used is of a test. If you try my heart, if you visit, if you test, you'll see that I'm clean. You, 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 you heard that language, right? If you do this. Now, the Common English uh, Bible, the the CEB, sets the tense of that conversation in the past. It says, you have examined. You know, there's a difference. You have tried. You have tested. You have looked me over. In, 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 In a way, it's very hard to tell because in the Hebrew language, verbs don't have the tenses that we have today. So we see here that there's the willingness to come and say, God, either test me, or God, you have seen already where I'm at, right? So if we were in a court of law, basically you're providing evidence, right? That you were saying, hey, I've I've done the right things. And this is sort of what, what we see David as stating before the magistrate. He, he's either willing to be examined or acknowledging that God has already done that. And that, that he seems to think, at least, that the status of his heart is clean. And there's also an evaluation or acknowledgement of the other side, right? He's saying. They, whoever is the ones that he's demanded some justice from, they are violent. And later in the psalm it says, they have no pity. So, there's a case being presented here. He's saying, help me Lord, help me, you know me, and you know them. (laughs) Right? You know me, you know my situation, you know what's going on, and you know what's going on on the other side. And this is, again, also important to address. First, there is an address to God, which is an example of a relationship, and then there is a self evaluation. I wonder if we do that. I wonder if when we are claiming justice, we are openly look at ourselves first. I wonder, how do we do that? Do we do that under our own concepts of what is right? Do we do that under our own estimation of what should happen? Do we do that under our own moral and ethic authority? Or do we seek outside of ourselves perspective? Do we seek outside of ourselves understanding that goes beyond where I'm at? I truly believe that that's why a congregation is important. Hello, I think this is for us to consider. I truly believe that that's when a congregation is important. Why? Because a congregation establishes a relationship. Amen. 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 And a, a relationship that is based on trust. <laughs> Do you trust the other? You see, this is the thing. I, I this is I'm um, um, I think I'm okay, but I, I remember my mother struggling with this all her life because she thought that church was her family, right? And in family, you work for the others' well-being, right? And she comes to church. And she's like, yes, this is my life. And she would share about her life left and right, right? And then then all she's hearing on the other side is like, you hear about Irma. (laughs) But where else? Where else do we go to a safe place? Where else can we go where there is love I think it's really important for us to learn that our community is looking for the common well-being. And the common well-being means that there has to be some level of trust for us to be able to relate, to raise up our concerns to seek wisdom, to seek perspective from others who might not be seeing things from our own point of view, but that have other experiences. I think that we have lost a lot of that. I think we're protecting ourselves more than being honest with ourselves and being honest with the others. One thing is for real and it's true. God knows. (laughs) God knows. And if God knows and God is the judge, why be concerned? I think that in my case, healing and wholeness has happened the most when I've opened myself. To others. So there's an evaluation of me and there's an evaluation of others. Third, there's an appeal. The appeal is stated in, 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 in words that I think you and I can relate. He says, manifest your steadfast love. Hasad, remember that term, right? Hasid, that steadfast love. We call it unconditional. Answer me. I'm seeking refuge. Guard me. So this text really depicts a direct relationship where there's openness and trust. And there is an appeal that really addresses the need of the soul. Okay. Who of you need love? Who needs love? I don't know. In one way or another, we all need love. And we need that love manifested in our lives in many different situations. And some of them are very problematic. Some of them have to do with family. Some of them have to do with friends. Some of them have to do with our bosses or the people that work on this. Some of us have issues in our lives and we are in fear. Because we don't know how to address them. And that's because there's a lack of relationship. An open and honest relationship with others. Who do you go to? Oh yeah, I'm uh, sorry. That's, that, that, that should be easy, right? There's always a human relationship department somewhere, right? Right? Human resources or something. Right? But what happens when the issue is with my friend? my partner. Where do we go? Manifest your steadfast love. Answer me. I think that also shows something that is coming from the heart of David himself. It means that there is a yearning for that love to be Part of a community. And we speak of shalom here, right? We've been talking about that for all these weeks. Shalom, what is it? What state of being is that? And I think that that term, hesed, steadfast love, Moses conveys that state of shalom. So we have the Relationship, there's openness and trust, and there's also that willingness, uh, willingness to be open and honest about the self, about us, and how important it is to be honest, lest we fool ourselves in thinking that we are always the victim. Now, this prayer conversation is open, is honest, it's laying things open and in the process of seeking that peace shalom we hear insights of that relationship that David has with God and maybe only maybe we can see that that relationship is the key to wellness are we honest with God? Yeah, I thought about waiting another five seconds with silence there because I truly believe that we avoid that question. It's an easy question to avoid. Right? You know why? I think it's because of shame. I think it's because we are ashamed of what God could think of us. But if it's true that David is seeking God's steadfast love then we need to understand what steadfast love is. It's unconditional. Hello? What is unconditional? You see, that concept eludes us. And that's why we fear. So I think that most importantly of all this, wholeness, and I think this is part of what the passage communicates to us, is that wholeness is not found in isolation wholeness is not found in retreat wholeness is not found in the cave regardless of how sick how twisted how deviate we may be we can't come clean with God And David did. David did when he found himself in the wrong. You remember, right? When David realized what he had done, he had the relationship to be able to say, God, I messed up so bad. There's nothing that I can do to restore that. Nothing. So I come to you. And this is the thing about what we can see through this. We are called to be in relationship. We are called to be in honest conversation with our creator. With the one that oversees and knows. With the one that offers hope. But then we are also called to offer that to others around us. Love. God above all things and, right? It's not or. It says and love your neighbor as yourself. Gosh, it's incredible how that fits, right? Love God above all things and love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's these all three parts involved. So we are called to be in relationship. And even when we don't find what we conceptualize as shalom, what we want, even when we don't get what we want, like little children as we are, right? We pout. One day we will have that experience fully. One day, we will be fulfilled in a way that we cannot imagine with all of our restrictions and limitations today. And this is the hope that I live for. This is what gives me joy in the midst of difficulty. And this is where I found solace. I don't have all the answers. Because I don't know if you know, noticed already. I have a lot of questions. But hardly any any of the answers. We're all seekers. We're all in this journey wondering. And trying to find love in Jesus. So as we uh, consider. The times that we have struggled. Or our presence struggle. We have a place. We have a person. We have this God. That we can come to. And as we had talked before. Where we can insist. In prayer. Right? Like the woman. Who would not take no. For an answer. Let's pray. Father. We analyze and.